You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is the Pimp Cron. This is the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and you probably know that because you clicked play. So, this is episode 68 of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. I appreciate you joining us, and tonight we have lots to discuss. Number one, we have kind of a weird, uh, want that or want that not, and, uh, it's just, I don't want to get in too much into it, but the Soul Wars box, I'm going to discuss something about it, and whether or not I like it. We are also going to be getting a letter from Hunter, and he discusses, um, his tournament issues he's had with players, and how I would handle them. And finally, we have a real talk with the Pimpcron where I discuss uh, the Shorehammer Crisis. I won't tell you what it is, but I'm not lying to you. I was so very upset. Maybe I'll name this Crisis on Infinite Shorehammers? Question mark? I don't know. But that is what we've been up to. So, uh, sorry we missed last week. Of course, uh, Shorehammer, for me, is about four straight nights of five hours to six hours of sleep a night, because we're generally open, the doors are open about 7 a.m. to about midnight or 1 a.m., uh, so it's it's a it's a long time, but man, I have a blast doing it. I'm already looking forward to next year, totally not burned out, uh, I could do, you know, two Shorehammers a year or something like that, not gonna do it, but I could. So what have I been up to? Well, what I've been up to is I have suddenly got bit by the Night Haunt virus, and uh, I did not like playing them when everyone else was playing them, so now that everyone has kind of calmed down with playing Night Haunt all the time, now I'm excited with Night Haunt. So I've been assembling Night Haunt, and uh, that's kind of what spurred the whole want that or want that not for this episode. And the, um, I've, uh, what did I, what else did I do? I'm painting Night Haunt. Oh, I painted... Five more Tomb Guard for my uh, Tomb Kings. I painted five more uh, Skeleton Horsemen for my Tomb Kings. And I painted a Sweet Casket of Souls for my Tomb Kings. And uh, Shorehammer always tends to, like, energize me about the hobby again. Because, you know, like, gameplay-wise or hobby-wise, sometimes you get in ruts and you kind of get in and all that. You know, like... um patterns that you always follow and Shorehammer helps me get realigned and super jazzed about the hobby so I immediately you know once Shorehammer was done I painted all that stuff um the Lich Priest on the Casket of Souls is awesome looking so I figured I could use him as a normal Lich Priest as well because I'm not I mean the the normal Lich Priest is kind of just there but this dude's all like heavy metal screaming with his dagger and his staff up it's pretty cool so I magnetized him on the Casket of Souls, and then I also magnetized him on a 40mm base, so I can do either. Um, I don't think Casket of Souls is a particularly good unit, but it was pretty, so I got that all painted. Um, also, I did a, just actually this morning, I did a grudge match. Tomb Kings versus Ossiarch Bone Reapers. That's right. The old Tomb Kings versus, uh, arguably the old, uh, the new Tomb Kings. I don't, I mean, they're really not 100% analogous, but you get the point. So, um, I am using the unofficial Tomb Kings Codex by, uh, what, Mengel Miniatures, I think, this, who did that. And it's an amazingly beautiful book. It looks just like GW produced it. It's gorgeous. 
And uh, essentially what they did is they took all the war scrolls for Tomb Kings and put them in one book. They also added some warlord traits, which I have not actually researched to see if they're just the generic death warlord traits or not. But um, uh, they've also got some spells, some artifacts, and whatnot. So, um, you know, some people would be like, oh, it's a fan codex. Well, actually, almost all of it is the real War Scrolls from GW. Um, they did make some uh, War Scroll Battalions, which, of course, GW never made for Tomb Kings, but they have them in that book and whatnot. I didn't use any of those. But, essentially, I beat Just James with my Tomb Kings versus his Ossiarch Bone Reapers, and I beat him uh, very badly, actually. I'm sorry to admit that. I didn't want to. Um, as normal, I did not read my codex ahead of time. I did not make some special list. And I always essentially take Highlander lists. I did not take two of literally anything. So I, um, I had a Lich Priest. I had a Royal Chariot. I had um, a unit of um, Skeleton Warriors. I had a unit of Skeleton Cavalry. I had six Ushabti. And I had a Necrotech. And that was essentially my entire army. And um, so what I'm finding about Tomb Kings, because I did not actually run into this. Uh, oh, so I beat him. Um, I beat him uh, one, uh, turn three, turn four, turn five would be seven. And then worth two at the end. So I beat him 11 to one is what I beat him. And uh, I didn't have that planned. I just discovered all these synergies after I already started playing because I did not pre-read my codex and um so tomb kings essentially play like death rattle they don't get graveyards or anything like that grave sites but they do come back in droves i mean the banner gives me d6 back a turn for my skeleton warriors d3 back for my horse cavalry and uh then i was able to you know get a five up uh deathless save instead of a six up i was able to re-roll that um, had some nice synergy. The uh, Grand Chariot gives me plus one to hit and wound if I'm Death Rattle, um, and it's just he couldn't he couldn't remove me. Every turn he was doing massive damage to these guys because the Tomb Kings have six up saves, and conditionally they have five up saves. Like some sometimes it's a five up save in close combat. Sometimes it's a five up save if you didn't um, run or charge that sort of thing. Um, but essentially a six up save most of the time. And the, um, he was able to just, you know, reap, you know, kill eight models at a time for my skeleton warriors. And then in my hero phase, I bring back D six of them. And then I had a spell that could bring back D six of them. And I just, I felt a little bit cheesy because the tomb Kings I'm finding are, they don't have a lot of damage output. They don't have a lot of rend. The skeletal horsemen are practically garbage if they're not being buffed by other people. They get one attack, a four and a four, no rend, one damage. I mean, they're they're really not good. Um, the only thing they have going for them, literally, with their five up save, is the D three comeback each turn. That's the only thing they have going for them. Um, what I do like about Tomb Kings is I always find when they come back like this to be kind of cheesy. You know, oh D six back, D three back, whatever. Um, I don't like that, and that's why I absolutely despise playing against Legions of Nagash, because uh, we have a friend, Justin, that plays uh, Death Rattle, and he just brings back so many people. You kill him, and he brings them back, and then you kill the whole unit, and he summons them back, and it's just, it's irritating. 
Um, so I was not pleased that Tomb Kings play like this. And I, to be honest, I didn't run into this before when I played them, but I've only played a couple games with them. And um, but what I do like about them is through, you know, um, command traits or command abilities or spells, you can increase the rend by one to a unit. You can increase the deathless saves by one to a unit. You can reroll deathless saves. Um, you can. Um, so most of my army had a five up rerollable deathless save. And that was kind of by accident, because I literally was like, oh, he knows spells one and two. Oh, he takes this artifact. I did not pre-think any of this. Um, but it, it came down to the fact that he could not remove me. Um, now, of course, the Bossiac Bone Reapers are much more durable. They essentially are just Tomb Kings, except Tomb Kings are more like Death Rattle, where they keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back, and their, their save is really terrible. And Ossiarch Bone Reapers essentially have the same thing, but reversed, where they don't come back necessarily, but they have a much better save. His 4-up save can be become a 3-up save, and he can just choose to spend a command point and reroll saves, plus they get the Deathless save. So, I mean, they're just much, much more durable, but when you kill them, they're arguably really dead. Versus the Tomb Kings, where they just keep coming back. You can kill them easily, but then they just come back. Um, but it was, uh, I was really curious how a grudge match like that would go. And, uh, it, it went well for me, I guess. Um, hopefully we will have another grudge match with this. Cause right now he's really feeling his Ossiarch Bone Reapers. And I've been painting Tomb King stuff because I love my hot pink and sky blue and white color scheme. I'm not lying to you. It sounds dumb. It, it comes off really nice. So that's it. Let's, um, I, I've rambled far too long. I apologize for that. Let's get on with the show. Let's open the Tesseract Mailbox. Sup, y'all? It's a Tesseract Mailbox, and this here is a Pimp Chronom. And we have a letter that I've actually been sitting on for a little while. This letter is from Hunter, and he writes, Hey, I heard you mention that you run a tournament, and I wanted to ask a question. I run our local tournaments, and I've had a few poor sports play in our tournaments over the years. I've had people quit in the middle of the tournament. I've had people with bad attitudes, which sour everyone around them. I've had 50-year-old men clear off their models while their opponent left for a second. How do you feel with this stuff? I'm sorry, how do you deal with this stuff? We are not a very huge community locally, and I have always been cautious to outright ban people for behavior like this. But at the same time, it ruins it for other players who want to have fun. Being that we are a small community of about 20, banning a few bad apples would greatly reduce our tournament sizes. In the end, we finally banned two of them, which pissed off another friend, so we banned two and lost three total. It seems like a lose-lose situation. Either you keep the poor sports or you lose players. What do you do? Thanks for a fun podcast, Hunter. Well, Hunter... First off, yes, I run uh, the Shorehammer convention, which consists of, like, several different tournaments, uh, X-Wing and all of that. We just had it last week. If you listen to the show, I'm sure you know about it. I won't go into it right now. That's not what this is about. I will refrain from shamelessly plugging my convention. It's called Shorehammer, Shorehammer.com. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so this is this is a real issue because, you know, we're in nerd communities here. And in nerd communities, not only do you sometimes run into like body odor and bad hygiene and things like that, but more than anything else, you run into 
socially awkward people. And socially awkward people can come off as rude when they're just shy, or they can come off as rude when they are asking a question, but they don't know how to phrase it, so it comes off as very rude, or they don't pick up social cues, or things like that. So that's something that you run into a lot with nerd culture. Whether you're playing D&D, or playing Magic, or playing Warhammer, it's just that way. Um, Geek culture, in general, has a lot of socially awkward people. So that is an issue, and I don't think we'll ever really get away from it. But you said your... Um, your local tournaments, you've had people quit in the middle of a tournament. Okay. Well, I, I mean, honestly, you can't force them to stay, right? So I'm sure what you ended up having to do is hopefully you had a ringer that you were not already using. We usually just keep one ringer for Shorehammer. That's just James. He's the judge and he's also a ringer. Um, sometimes my friend Tim will be the ringer and uh, for different tournaments. And hopefully you already did not have an odd number of people. And you're not already using your ringer. But if you are using your ringer, then now you do have an even number of people. So your ringer just doesn't get to finish the tournament. So leaving in the middle of the tournament, while that is a dick move, shouldn't really bother you too much, I don't think. Uh, You also had people with bad attitudes, which sour everyone around you. Now, this is a tougher question to me. Because if people just outrightly have a bad attitude, it's very hard to ban someone for that. Because naturally, if they... Um, if they're not socially aware or self-aware enough to know that or to realize that they're affecting people around them, you know, like you having a pissy attitude or whatever, if they're that immature and that childish, then clearly they're not aware of their self and their surroundings and how other people see them, which of course, many times we're not aware, you know, everybody's like that, but this person clearly, if they're throwing a fit in the middle of a tournament, um, Bad attitudes are not as easily identifiable because when you go up to the person, if you're if they're bad enough for you to say something to the person and confront them and go, hey, dude, you got to you got to chill out a little bit like this is a fun tournament, whatever. If you approach them like that, they're probably not going to see that they're being rude or they're being inappropriate. And what they're going to see is. Oh, this guy over here's mean, and he's he's a power gamer or whatever, and they're gonna bitch and complain, and they're immediately not going to acknowledge that they're doing anything wrong. They're just going to say, "Well, it's not my fault. I'm mad because." So that is a very very tricky situation because what do you do? Do you ban someone for that just because they're unaware? But on the other hand, like you said, it sours everyone around them. So you know if you're even if you're not playing that guy, if you're playing on the table next to that guy and you hear the whole time, oh, just kill all my models, why don't you? You know, and they're they're being pissy the whole time. That's going to sour you as well, you know? Or if they're, you know, throwing their models in their army transport or they're doing something like that that's, that's whiny baby territory. Um, I don't really have an answer for that. Honestly, it depends on how severe it is. It depends on how serious you want your tournament to be. And, uh, like, that wouldn't fly very well at Shorehammer. Um, we have a one-warning policy, because the friendly attitudes and all of that is paramount to Shorehammer. So, to me, I will warn somebody one time before we throw them out of a tournament. Now, luckily, I've never had to warn anybody, you know anything like that really but that has always been our goal is that look I will eject you from a tournament um, if you're just being a, a sourpuss 
And I think that's probably the way to go. If you see that it's really affecting other people and you want a fun tournament, I would probably warn that person to go, look, this attitude can't continue. I'm sorry that your game went this way. I'm sorry that you feel like you've been wronged, but it's a tournament and you know it's going to be competitive. That's the point of a tournament. So if your other dude's list was cheesy or whatever, I'm sorry, this is a tournament. You're not playing a narrative game. You're not playing a pickup game. You're not, you know, in your basement playing with a buddy. You're not doing that. You are literally signed up for a tournament. So you're going to have to be, you know, chill or you're going to have to leave. And in that case, you deal just like if someone quit in the middle of a tournament and you either have your ringer or you can release your ringer if you're already using them. Um, And usually people are shocked into going right you know like if if they're already having an attitude and you mention it to them then they'll go okay 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 I'll I'll calm down and they can usually they'll still not be happy but they're not going to be throwing miniatures or something like that the final thing you said is that you had a 50 year old man clear off their models while their opponent left for a second that's almost funny but no it's not it's not funny uh that is a pretty shitty move. I mean, like in the middle of their game, when their opponent was not looking, they just cleared off their own models and left. Uh, that is really, really bad sport. And this prop, actually, I'm glad you listed these in this order because this one is actually the trickiest because it's one thing to quit in the middle of a tournament after like game one or game two or whatever in between games. It's an entirely different thing to quit in the middle of a game. And that is a real judgment call because you have to go ahead and talk to the player that's still there and have him explain exactly what's going on and where you, you know, how many objectives he had, how many points did he have, you know, and you're going to have to try to suss out what is probably the result of that game. You know, you can't see some tournaments will give like max points to the other opponent. And I'm thinking, well, wait a second. That's not really fair to all the other players because he got max points because you don't know how many points to give him. But then if you give him half points or you give him no points, then you're screwing him because he would have gotten more points if his opponent wasn't an asshole. So it's very, very, very tricky. Um, What I would do in that case is I would try to figure out, you know, do some math hammer, look at both lists, see how they would have interacted, and you're going to have to do your best to offer him some points. Now, a good idea to combat literally any of this is to have a good code of conduct, which we've never really done for Shorehammer just yet. But for 2020, we are going to have a strict code of conduct because there were a couple times where somebody did not quite read the rules and they were not a jerk about it. They weren't anything like that. But for instance, the narrative battle is the only thing we require painted models on. And the reason for this is because we like to make a really cool video um, that tells the the narrative story of what happened. And we want to take pictures because the the terrain looks beautiful and the map and all that looks beautiful. So you want painted models. Well, we showed up to one of the narrative games and one of the players brought his box of just primed models. And I'm like, are those the models that you're playing? And he goes, oh yeah, these are the these are models I'm playing for the narrative. And I'm like, well, you know it was required to have painted models, right? And he's like, oh no, I didn't realize that. Well, that kind of put a bad taste. I, I still let him play. Because at this point, I'm like, well, okay, the agreement was painted models. But I felt bad. I can't just 
you know, kick him out of the game because he claims he didn't read it and he wasn't being rude about it. He was like, oh, I had no idea. So it's very shocking how little people read sometimes. So I let him keep playing. I didn't kick him out of the game or anything like that. But then the other side was like, well, why did he bring unpainted models? And I said, well, he didn't read it. And then when they were summoning new models, this is for Age of Sigmar, they're like, well, can we summon this really good unit of unpainted models? And I'm like, sure. Because, <laughs> I mean, what else do I do? I, I didn't, I was trying to be nice and I didn't want to kick that guy out. So then they leveraged it against me in order to bring some um, dragon ogres in, which were not, you know, primed or anything. They were just gray plastic. And I'm like, whatever. So what we ended up doing was letting both of them do that, but we just didn't have them in any of the pictures. We didn't have those models in any of the pictures. I think it was two years ago we actually had somebody that um, we don't allow flyers or lords of war in our Highlander tournament. And this person did not submit a list ahead of time. So when he gave us the list, when he checked in, I said, well, you know, uh, you've got a Helldrake in this list and we don't allow flyers. And he's like, what do you mean you don't allow flyers? I'm like, well, it's all over the website. I mean, it's pretty obvious. And he's like, oh, uh, I didn't know that. I'm like, well, do you have anything else in the, you know, in, in your army transport? And he's like, no, I literally just brought my tournament list. And I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> like. Okay, so we ended up, I think he ended up having to borrow models from someone else, because I'm like, you, you can't just, I, I can't just start allowing things that, you know, are, are not allowed, clearly, that's what the format was, so, um, you know, it's just, the you, something you gotta keep in mind, is that people do not read, and people are kinda dumb, so, it's, you know, it doesn't mean that they're trying to be cheesy. It doesn't mean they're trying to be mean. It's just that they don't necessarily want to follow rules because they don't know about the rules or whatever. And you can't automatically assume malicious intent for any of this. Um, now, of course, if they're throwing models, if they're having a bad attitude, or one of the other things that you mentioned, sure, okay, they're they're being dicks. I get it. But occasionally, you run into stuff like this, that's kind of gray area. Like, okay, what exactly do I do with this? You know, I can't kick him out necessarily because I'll feel bad. And he claims he didn't know, which maybe he didn't know. So you just you just run into the stuff everywhere. But thank you, uh, Hunter, for writing in. And uh, I will see you on the next Tesseract Mailbox. Want that or want that not? Okay, so this is going to be kind of a weird want that or want that not. Okay, you got to bear with me, folks. I am going to be reviewing the Soul Wars box set, the Night Haunt half, which is probably something I already covered when the Soul Wars box came out. But I wanted to, uh, I was moved by assembling some of the Soul Wars box. So um, I have, I'm kind of a hipster. When an army gets popular, I don't play it anymore. And then I wait for it to not be popular anymore. So I had Night Haunt before it ever had a codex or new models, and it was essentially just Hex Wraiths and uh, Spirit Hosts and Banshees and uh, Grim Reapers, whatever they're called, right? And I got super excited. I bought a Soul Wars box set or two um, when the Night Haunt got their own book and all that. I don't even own the codex for that. But the reason I didn't play them is because, oh, everybody in my group, it feels like everybody in my group was playing Night Haunt at that time, 
And I just, I'm immediately turned off when everyone starts playing one of my armies. So it has taken me quite some time for letting all the love uh, melt down and simmer down for Night Haunt. So I don't see Night Haunt all the time for me to finally start going, hmm, Night Haunt. So I have started working on my Night Haunt army again. And I assembled the Soul Wars half of Night Haunt. And I have to tell you that the other night, I was actually, it was last night, I was sitting with my wife and I was doing that talking to her. I was, um, you know, cleaning models and gluing them and all that. And I have to give props to GW for the Night Haunt half of the Soul Wars box. Uh, I don't remember how the Stormcast was. I've already assembled them like a year ago, so I don't know. But the Night Haunt. Dude, these models are excellent, okay? I know this is probably totally not new news for any of you, because if you already play Night Haunt, you already have these models, but damn it, those models are nice, okay? I was assembling chain rasps, and um, I was amazed that each chain rasp is only two pieces. There's a front and a back. Usually one has one arm, one has the other arm, and then they glue into the base. It could, it physically could not be easier to assemble these, right? Not to mention they're very easy to paint as well. But as I'm assembling these and I'm snapping these together, I'm looking at these models and they're just beautiful. They're really, really good models. And um, obviously this is kind of a weird want that or want that not because clearly I do want it because I already have it and I love it. But I just wanted to say a public... Congrats to GW because the Night Haunt half of Soul Wars box is so fun to put together, so easy to paint, and every single one of them are a different pose. I think you get um, 20 chain rasps in the Soul Wars box and 10 different poses. So I think you get two sets of the same, you know, sprue or whatever. But man, they are just gorgeous. And it's it's just amazing to me because... They're only two pieces, like I said. They glue together really nicely. They snap together, and they're easy to paint, and they're just... Every single one of them has a completely unique thing. They have unique weapons. Some have axes. Some have maces. Some are, like, dragging their, their ball and chain, and they're just awesome. So, kudos, GW. I'm really, really thrilled with these models. And there was a... I believe it was a lady... Uh, wrote in to us back in like July or August. Unfortunately, I'm not going to remember your name, and I'm far, far too lazy to look that up. But essentially, you asked about um, dealing, gluing with the, um, damn it, I'm stumbling over my words here, the easy-to-build models, and you said that you were having a hard time gluing them because you always have gaps. And I said to cut off the pegs because the peg will glue like mid-hole, you know, and then you've got that gap between pieces. Well, for this Night Haunt thing, um, you can still cut off the pegs if you want, and that works fine. But this Night Haunt thing, I have learned from all my mistakes, and I have yet another method for you to deal with these, is you do not put glue in the hole, and you don't put glue on the tip of the peg. Because that's when it's the like the friction of the peg going in the hole will make the glue stick, and then you have a, a uh, uh, gap. But what you do is you glue around the base of the peg so that the tip of the peg, this is going to sound like a condom instructions or something, the tip of the peg is nice and dry and the hole is nice and dry. <laughs> the hole is nice and dry. And 
it doesn't glue until the peg is all the way into the slot. And then it just glues at the end of it. So that is how you do it. And I never knew that until now. Like I said, I assembled my Stormcast a long time ago. And I was just like, well, screw it. And I just clipped off the pegs and glued them normally. And that works totally fine. But if you're not one that likes to clip off pegs, glue the base of the peg and not in the hole or the tip of the peg. Whew, that was a lot to cover. So uh, this is definitely a want that. That is actually a want that much more because these models are freaking sweet. Love them. Good job, GW. At this point, I would like to take just a moment and thank all of my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling patrons on the Pimpcron Dynasty on Patreon. Starting with the Gold Trim Scarabs, we have Brendan, followed by the Funky Warriors, LT, Nate R, Tom R, and Mandy W. Then we have the Badass Cryptex, Andy B, and Brandon K, and Colin M. And finally, we have our mother flippin' lord, the king of the mountain, Mike C. Yep. So thank you very much, everybody, for uh, listening to the show and supporting me and supporting the show. And it's a great feeling when people actually appreciate what you do. It takes a lot of time to write articles each week. It takes a lot of time to do the podcast each week. And I just truly, truly appreciate all of your love and your support. So let's get on with the show. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. What's going on, all my friends? This is the After Shorehammer Battle Report with your old pal Pimpcron. This is the Real Talk, sir, or ma'am, or person. So, uh, for those of you who were there, because I know some listeners were actually at Shorehammer, we had a blast. There was male strippers, there was female strippers, Go-Go Dancers, Jello Wrestling, uh, just uh, one corner of the room had an orgy in it, which was weird, but, uh, you know, a free love or whatever. That's what Shorehammer is about, free love. Uh, so let's start off by talking about all of our amazing sponsors. And look, I'm not going to make this a sales pitch. I literally just want to thank them um, because they were awesome and super helpful. As I've probably mentioned before, we have a uh, charity raffle this year for prizes and things like that, and that was to benefit our Horizons of Salisbury, which is a children's charity locally. And um, the three biggest advertisers for us, the supporters of these, is Sable Army Transport, Game Mat EU, and our local store Phoenix Rising Games and Comics. We also had lots of donations from uh, Frontline Gaming, Haldane Creations 3D, Fear This Customs, The Grand Hotel, Cromlix, Velcro, Anvil Industries, and some players also donated stuff. So all in all, it was awesome. I really appreciate all the support, and we love you all. So let's get into the juicy bits. How did Shorehammer go this year? Well, I have a horrifying story to tell you about Shorehammer. Now, first of all, everything went super swimmingly. Everything was great. The people were nice, blah, 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 all the normal, normal stuff, right? But we had a dilemma. So I do everything for Shorehammer that is, um, you know, way ahead of time. I plan way, way ahead of time to make sure everything is perfect 
We do all kinds of, you know, um, prep for this. I printed out literally hundreds of pages of stuff for all the tournaments and um, did area terrain stuff and just without getting into all the details, did a shit ton of preparation for this. I wanted everything to be just perfect. Well, <laughs> as we're setting up, I, uh, I ordered the trophies, all the trophies for Shorehammer back in uh, like September. I think I, I ordered it in August and then got it in September. And we, um you know, we set everything up. We we're setting up the day before Shorehammer. And I was like, you know what? Um, I haven't seen the trophies and people are like, oh no, we saw them here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So we start looking and we can't find the trophies. Now, luckily we did have first place of the three biggest tournaments because those prizes, one's the giant championship belt, one's a giant hammer, and one is a trophy too big to fit with the other stuff. So we had the first place of those three, but I could not find the trophies for all the other tournaments. I'm talking X-Wing, Underworlds. AOS GT, Highlander, Danger Zone, uh, Brutality, um, essentially all of that. So I just, uh, I was in a panic, needless to say, and I'm like, okay, well, let me go home, I'll search it. So I search my entire house, and I can't find the trophies, and I search my entire shed, and I can't find the trophies. So I have to go back to Shorehammer and we're, you know, starting Shorehammer and all that. And I am horribly depressed. I mean, super, 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 super depressed. Like the weight of the world was on me because of, I mean, not only the idea that I would have to repurchase all of those trophies. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars in trophies. I would have to repurchase all those trophies and mail them to individual people. That's what I had planned on doing which obviously cuts into, you know, a, a serious chunk of money. Uh, but also, the embarrassment of the award ceremony and having, hey, uh, guys, well, I've got the first place of these three, but guess what? I forgot where I put the rest of the trophies. So I had my wife, while I was a shorthammer, I said, look, wife. And she said, yes, husband. I said, go to our domicile and search the whole house again. And make sure that, you know, they're not somewhere. I couldn't remember what box I put them in. I had a vague memory of putting them in a smaller box. Because they come in a giant box that is far too large. And takes up far too much space. And it's four times the size it needs to be. So I decided, you know, I'm going to put this in a smaller box. But, being that my memory is garbage. And I got this while I was still seven days a week at work. And it's been, what, three months at this point. I just could not remember where they were. So, um, she searched the whole house and she also could not find them. And she searched my set, my searched my shed and she could also not find them. And then later on, I said, dad, search my shed again. So I sent my father over there while I was at Shorehammer. And this is like Friday or something. It's already underway going on. And I had not mentioned this to many people yet because I was so heartbroken over this. Like, dude, I cannot imagine me losing these freaking trophies as much as I prepare for this because I want it to be as smooth and professional as possible. For me to actually lose these effing trophies, I was so mad at myself. Not to mention not looking forward to the award ceremony on Sunday where I have to admit to everybody that I forgot or I lost the trophies. So I um, my dad went over and he looked in the shed and he couldn't find the trophies either. So now, now of course, you're 
you're thinking of the most ridiculous things at that point because you're thinking, okay, um, did we bring them to the hotel? We searched the whole house twice and the shed three times. Okay, they must have been brought to the hotel. Maybe someone stole them. Now, that sounds dumb because who wants a box of trophies to a tournament they didn't go to? And this was before anybody got here. So I'm thinking somebody random in the hotel or whatever. We had maintenance and security checking the entire hotel for a box of trophies. We had um, housekeeping in the front desk. You know, if anybody like brought in a box of trophies, we might have. I don't know. At this point, we were grasping at straw. So we're like, okay, maybe, you know, we left them on a cart somewhere or you know, maybe someone snatched the box, ran away, and then went into a stairwell somewhere and looked at the box, and the trophies aren't in there. I mean, I mean, the trophies are in there, and he's like, oh, it's just trophies, and leaves them there. Something like that. Um, well, none of that ever surfaced any trophies. So, once again, very, very heavy heart on my part. Very upset. And, like I said, so much effort goes into making this run smoothly, professionally, and perfect. When you lose something fundamental like that, you feel like such a freaking failure. I'm not lying to you. I was extremely depressed. Extremely. And I just had to eventually push it out of my mind and still enjoy myself. But it was like this cloud hanging over me. And I was like, you know what? Mentally, I just had to. I was so angry with myself for being forgetful because I just couldn't remember where I put them. And then we were thinking about, um, well, let me finish my statement. Um. I had to physically sit down and go, Pemcron, it is now the reality you are in. You don't have the trophies. Forget about the trophies. You're going to have to face the music at the awards ceremony, and that is that. So, other places that we checked was we, my wife had previously just donated stuff to a, <laughs> to a, uh, uh, you know, one of those charity thrift stores. She just donated a couple boxes of children's clothing to thrift store. And then we're thinking, oh, geez, did we donate a box of trophies to the thrift store by accident? And that would have definitely upset me. So I sent my wife over there. She talked to all the people that work there. Everybody said, no, we certainly did not get a box of trophies. We would have remembered that. So that wasn't a place that we could find them. And they were also not found in the hotel. And they were also not found in my house or my shed or our trucks or literally anywhere else we could possibly... We checked my brother's house for some reason. And I finally, I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe they are in the attic. I don't know why, but we recently put some stuff up in the attic. And maybe that box happened to go up in the attic. So, I decided to leave Shorehammer on Friday evening uh, during the X-Wing tournament. Uh, we had a volunteer, Brandon, running that anyway. And I didn't have anything I had to do. And out of desperation, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to check one more time. So I search my entire shed again. I search my entire house again. I go up in the attic and I remember, keep in mind, this is the third time we've searched every single box and closet in our house. Up in my attic, there had been some boxes that fell into insulation because we have blown in insulation up there, not um, uh, faced insulation. So I get my coat on and I'm literally, <laughs> at this point, it's like a, a sitcom. I am literally crawling through insulation to reach old boxes that had fallen off, you know, like the normal walkway in your attic, had fallen off into the insulation. And I'm thinking any one of these could be it. So I'm searching every single effing box in my attic for these trophies. Oh my God, I was so upset. And it's not in the attic. So I'm like, okay, well, we didn't donate it. 
it supposedly was installed at the hotel. It's not in my house. It's not in my shed. It's not in my brother's house. Where the hell are these trophies? Because I know I got them. I mean, you know, of course, when I get the, the shipment, I check the whole package listings and all that. And uh, this is the first year that company did not screw up my order. So I didn't have to bother them. And um, so finally, I'm sitting in the... Uh, uh, we homeschool. So we um, we have a classroom in our house. And I'm, I go down in the, the classroom and out of desperation, I'm like, you know what? I am going to open up every single damn box in this room and just for the sake of it. I don't know. I don't care how small. If it's a tissue box, I'm going to open up the end of this freaking tissue box and I'm going to look for these damn trophies because I was so, so upset. So I, uh, there was a box that we had gotten for some package, Amazon or whatever. It was this little teeny box. And my uh, daughter, Gabby, had um, drawn all over it with crayons. She had been using it for something. She was keeping Legos or I think it was Legos and Play-Doh or something in there. Something something that a six-year-old would keep in there. And uh, it's so I, I was like, you know what? There's no way these trophies will sit in this box, but I'm going to open this damn thing anyway, whatever. I open the box. And as soon as I, well, before I open it, I pick it up and I hear clinking. And because these are all resin trophies. And I'm like, oh, dear God. I open it up and sure enough, all my trophies are stacked impossibly in this tiny little box. And I, I, I cannot begin to tell you how relieved I was. I was beside myself. And I still have no recollection of putting these trophies from the giant box they come into to this small box, but the way that they were stacked, I had them stacked, laying down three high, and they were alternating almost like jigsaw puzzle pieces or Tetris pieces, where, you know, if something sticks out here, it fits in the slot of something else, and I don't even know how I had the spatial reasoning to put all these trophies in this tiny little box, but I did, and apparently I guess I dumped out my daughter's stuff, but it's funny because I had, when I previously searched the house, I had looked directly at that box and said, oh, well, it can't be in there because certainly I can't fit 20 some freaking trophies in that box, obviously, but I never opened it. And my wife, when I told her, she's like, oh my gosh, I saw that box and I didn't open it because I said, there's no way all those trophies are going to fit in that box. And even the third time I looked at this box, when I finally did open it, I'm like, there's no way, but you know what? Screw it. I'm going to open it anyway. And just whatever. And sure enough, I had changed physics to make all these trophies fit in this tiny little box. Um, and I was so, so very relieved. This is the first time anything like that has ever happened before, you know, because I always keep all the Shorehammer stuff in one spot and, you know, it doesn't get separated or anything like that. And I just have no recollection of doing this. But thank God we had all the trophies. I found them and... I was just ecstatic. I was so, so happy. So anytime that anything else went a little haywire during the convention, I literally would say to myself and to the volunteers, hey, you know what? I've got the trophies, though. And that made me cheered up all weekend. Not that I really needed cheering up because I have a blast at Shorehammer, but you get the point. And, um, wow. I, I'm still thrilled <laughs> I found those freaking trophies. You know what would have really pissed me off? Well, what would have really pissed me off is if I went and I had to eat crow in the awards ceremony and go, oh, I'm sorry, I lost the trophies like a freaking idiot. 
because my memory is so bad I forgot I put them in that box. And the um then like you know in the next week or two I would have to order all the trophies again and ship them individually. Cost uh, I mean nearly a thousand dollars probably with all that. And then if I found that box of freaking trophies, I would have lost my mind. I'm not lying to you. Like, I would have been so angry with myself. And then I'd have all these extra trophies. Yay! Oh, my gosh. So, this is the story that most people don't know about Shorehammer this year. And it was full of anxiety and depression. And meanwhile, the actual event went very smoothly. Um, couple hiccups here or there, you know, where people didn't read the rules or, or whatever, but all in all, everything went really well. Um, had a ton of fun with a ton of people that I know from other years, and, uh, we met new people this year, of course, and, uh, we had, like, 50% new people this year. Um, I'm sorry, 50% more people, and, uh, it's just awesome. Um, our buddy Andy flew in from, um, uh, St. Louis, and our buddy Mike flew in from, um, Utah, and, uh, it's just, it's a great time. Everybody's super nice. And, um, uh, that's really all I have to say. I mean, I could go into what happened at Shorehammer and all that, but all in all, it was a great weekend and I don't want to beat this, beat you over the head with this whole convention thing. Um, but it was, this was the drama. I was so happy I found them. So thank you, Satan, that I found them. All right, well, that is about it for us. I will be having, in the next couple episodes, uh, we have, one of the things at Shorehammer we do is we have a Real Talk with the Pimp Cron that's an open discussion. If you've been listening for a while, you will have heard it last year. I break it up into different topics, and uh, we ended up talking for two hours this year. We had roughly 30 people show up, 25 or 30 people showed up late Saturday night for the Pimp Cron Warhammer podcast open mic. And, um, hopefully that audio turned out okay, but, um, the, uh, we had a good time and we were slotted for only one hour of discussion and we ended up talking for two hours about everything under the sun from, you know, balance of melee to range combat to sisters of battle to, um, you know, the new Warhammer fantasy supposedly that's coming out old, under, uh, old worlds or whatever it's called. Uh, we just talked about a, a ton of different stuff. I'm going to edit it clean it up and break it up into segments that, uh, you know, are, are topic specific. So anyway, thank you for everybody that came out and hopefully many more will come next year and we will just continue to grow and continue to be a cool group of people to have fun with. Thanks for listening, everybody, and come back next week.